0: Hello, and welcome to Cream of Caroline, for reasons unknown, still the world's only casserole lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Hatchett. Listeners, it's been a dark few weeks, and I've been dark for a few weeks. I thought that I might turn to casseroles and cooking with the world falling apart around us. But all the joy that I normally have in making meals and recording for you was sucked out of my life by the coronavirus and all the suffering that's happening in the world, and right here in New York City. I recorded this episode two weeks ago with my dear friend, Clay Williams. It was just one day before New York City was locked down and we both we both felt really heavy. Clay is one of New York's finest food photographers and he's a co-founder of Black Food Folks. And in this episode, you'll learn about his work and the work that we all need to do to make the food industry more equitable we will also eat a casserole, one that feels particularly French, but that also includes ingredients found in African-American culinary traditions. Only the baked potato, a side dish, is gonna be creamy, and that's gonna have to be enough. Welcome back. What's in the oven? Casserole of oxtails found in the way back on page 123 of James Beard's 1955 casserole cookbook. Get started. Place three to four pounds of oxtails and two to three split pig's feet into a large casserole along with two onions that have been split in half and stuck with a few cloves. Season that with salt and pepper and brown it in a hot oven, 450 degrees, for 30 minutes. Pull it out of the oven. Add to the pot three thinly sliced onions, three sliced carrots, six leeks sliced in half. I only bought four. It worked out just fine. Add to that thyme rosemary, one teaspoon of ginger, and one and a half cups glue glue red wine. You're gonna cover, it's a a lot of food, cover that and cook it in the oven. Now set to 250 degrees for four to five hours until the meat is. Tinder. Now, I did this the day before clay came over. I poured off all the juices, cooled it down, and skimmed off a significant amount of fat. If you don't have the time to chill the dish, uh, just try to remove as much of the fat on the top as you can. Before serving, you're gonna wanna Thicken the juices with a little beurre meunier. Remember, that's when you take room temperature butter, mixed with equal amounts of flour. Bubbling meat juices, you're gonna whisk it in a little bit at a time until it is thick, and then pour that gravy back over the meat and serve. And that's what's in the oven. Casseroles in the news. Us Weekly reports that last week, while sheltering in with her husband, John Legend, and two children, Chrissy Teigen prepared tuna casserole topped with jalapeno chips and cheddar cheese. You can find the recipe in her first cookbook, Cravings. Twitter wasn't so smitten, though. One of her followers tweeted, gross. To which Teigen replied, good thing it's not for you. Sick burn, Chrissy. To help folks who have been recently laid off from their jobs, Max and April Sussman of The Veggie Wagon in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, just launched Casseroles for a Cause. People in need of a hot meal can call to place an order for a free casserole. More than 30 families called in on the first day of the program. Learn more at veggiewagonmeals.com. And apparently, Jefferson County, Pennsylvania, shares a recipe each and every day with its fine citizens. Last Tuesday, it was cheesy bacon ranch tater tot casserole involving a combination of ground beef tots of course a packet of ranch powdered cheese cring of mushroom soup and some hormel bacon bits i think we could all bury our faces in a hot dish of that this week and that's your casseroles in the news listeners in these dark times <laughs> nice. I have with me a good friend, Clay Williams. Hello, hello. Welcome. He is a food and events photographer and also the co founder of Black Food Folks. And we've eaten lots of meals together. It's true. The last time I saw you, we, maybe not the last time I saw you, last time we hung out, mm. we finished a bottle of wine at like noon or one.
1: Sounds right, yeah. And
0: then I had to come home and take a three-hour nap. Excellent, excellent, excellent. It was a good day. It was a wonderful day. That was great. Uh, But I'm cooking for you today. Okay. And so all of my recipes for this season Mm -hmm. are coming out of James Beard's Vintage Casserole Cookbook.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, It's not one of his better-known volumes. right. Right. And I try to tie in my guests somewhat. There were not – I wanted to do some, like – uh, an African American or black themed recipe, as you might imagine, limited.
1: Right, I, I'm sure.
0: But we're eating oxtails and pig's feet.
1: Ooh! It was the only one. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So,
0: but I am a little nervous because I I feel like as part Jamaican, are you an oxtail connoisseur? Uh,
1: my family is Jamaican. Right. And, um. Yes, I grew up uh, with not oxtails all the time, but uh, but yes, I've eaten it.
0: Okay. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm a little I'm a little nervous. I've made it. This is only my second attempt.
1: I mean, oxtails are... You can treat them the way that you would treat uh, short ribs. Okay. Um, you know, just braise them until they... That's what we did. Yeah.
0: Except yeah. with pig's feet in there also, which I've... Same n- thing, though. Which I've never prepared before.
1: Yeah, I've never... See, I, it's funny. I don't really think of... I mean, I know they are, but, like, I don't really think of... Uh, I don't have any connection to Pig's Feet. No, like, that's a
0: super Southern... It feels like a Southern thing. Yeah. More than well, a New York Jamaican thing.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think of Pig's Feet, and I'm thinking of, like, charcuterie or, mm-hmm. like, uh, or, or like um, something out of Nose to Tail or, you know, right. a Fergus Henderson recipe or something like that. So, I it, like, I have a hard time connecting, like, Pig's Feet with with my experience.
0: Yeah. They're not... Trotters are not a big part of my life, but Mr. Beard put them both in the right. same pot. Which is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, what what food did you grow up with?
1: My grandmother was a big cook in my, in my family, and so... Um, but she... I mean, she cooked a little bit of everything. It wasn't just Jamaican food. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think she ever made oxtail, actually. But, you know, there was curry chicken, curry goat. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of regular recipes of the time, you know, like like pork chops and fried chicken mm-hmm. and um uh, steak but like not dry steak like steak cooked in like sauce like sort of thing okay not, it, it, it's what we call steak but it wasn't it wasn't quite the same thing as what you it's certainly not the same thing you would get a steakhouse or anything like that okay um it's sort of more of a uh, a saucy braised steak
0: okay um, what about casseroles
1: I don't remember any casserole.
0: Yeah, I, I, you don't strike me as, as yeah. having a casserole upbringing in New yeah. York.
1: I mean, there was that time, right? Like, I, I, I remember the sort of aesthetics of casseroles growing up in, like, the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, my grandmother would have had, like, the, the Crocs and, like, the dishware of, like, that time. But, like, I can't remember any actual casseroles.
0: You dodged that one. Yeah. Yes, it's been fun to explore them. Today is definitely more of a braise, but Mr. Beard calls it a casserole, so we're... Oh, there you go. So we're, no cream of mushroom soup for you. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm okay with that.
0: Now, uh, and most of your most of your photography revolves around food. It does. How, sure. how did you come to food photography specifically? Because you're a career changer.
1: Let's see. I started out with basically looking for something to do as a hobby on the side. My photography was... Something I was, I, um, something I was doing as part of just being out and about. You mm-hmm. know, um, I got to play with. I used to work in technology, and so I got to play with digital cameras as like part of my job, okay. evaluating them and that sort of thing. And um, early on, I would just whatever the, our eval camera was became sort of the camera I played with I all the time. Camera. Yeah, and so. Um, I was doing that and just wherever I was going, whatever I was doing, I would take pictures. And sometimes that was at the office party, which, you know, the next day was always a little fun or mm-hmm. a little embarrassing for various people. Um, but then, you know, I was always eating somewhere. I was always going out. I was, uh, you know, Brooklyn in the mid aughts was like there, you know, was stuff going on. People could still afford to live there. Right. Um, uh, as I started doing that, I would post things on 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 the social media of the time, which was like my blog or on uh, Flickr or something like that. And so people saw that and said, hey, do you want to write for us? It was the early days of blogs. And, and so everyone was looking for content and they're like, well, you're going to all these things and you're taking pictures of it. Do you want to write it up? And, you know, I the office world was not one that gave me an opportunity to write very often mm-hmm. and so it was actually a little bit more of a like there's a there was definitely a potential path where I was going towards writing instead of photography. Oh
0: really? I don't think um, I knew that.
1: Yeah. And and so I, you know, I started working on different beats, I would pitch stories, I you know, and I was always taking pictures along the way and there's a certain point and I I don't know when when I but I realized that like I was much more interested in the photos. Mm-hmm. I get, I like writing, but it it, it it can be it can make me very anxious. You know, it's one of those things where it takes me forever to get the words on the page, and then after I have it there, I'm like, is this the right thing? Am I doing this right? Like, is I you know, still do that? <laughs> yeah, but like it, it didn't give me the you same know, satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. Um, or the joy of doing it, mm-hmm. right? Like. It was more of a chore, and so if I could tell my stories more through the photos than through than through words, like you know, that's where I really want that 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 was the thing that really satisfied me, and so um, I hit my first like regular beats covering. Um, covering street food, covering, um, a little bit of nightlife music, like all this stuff. And that was about 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I mean, I had done some sporadic stuff before that, but, but 2009 was when I first really started. Um, a couple years later, it was so much of it that I was, you know, I, I left the day job world and, Started the photography full time, so like sorry roundabout way, I got in the food because it's what I was doing a lot. Right, like.
0: okay. Um, and the and you shot a lot at the James Beard House, right? When you yeah. when you got started, that yeah. was a nice entree to chefs. Or no, did it take yeah. a few years?
1: Um It wasn't when I first started, but it was not too long afterwards. Um, fellow photographer who was a bit of a mentor to me, Michael Harlan to mm-hmm. a new people who worked for the foundation, and at the time. Uh, at the time, the photography program was uh, all volunteer. Um, and it was just a thing where they had members who liked to take pictures. And mm-hmm. so they were like, hey, well, you know, do you want to take some photos in the kitchen? And you get the meal and, you know, you get to connect with chefs and yada yada. And so I um, I had already been shooting for outlets like Gothamist and... Um, some of the edible titles and 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 stuff like that, and so I was uh, in Zagat, mm-hmm. and so I was already doing restaurants, and I was always do- already doing food, and so the idea of working with chefs from all over the country and sometimes further um, afield um, was exciting. As I got you know, and and so I started that in I think twenty thirteen. Okay. Um, so a little while ago now. Just a little um, bit. And then about, I don't know, four years ago or so, um, they switched to being fully professional photographers for that program. And so I started doing it more instead of like once or twice a month. It, would, it, it turned to like three or four times a month. And then I started shooting other things for them. And the last year I shot the awards and I shot um, a bunch of their... Boot camps, and,
0: right? I'm um, so jealous yeah. that you've been to the boot camps. Yeah, I've
1: been to four of them. Though.
0: I want pretty... to go so badly. Yeah, yeah, What? Tell. I mean, for listeners who don't know, mm. tell them about the boot camp experience. And
1: so, it's the the full name, or at least the original name, was the Chef's Boot Camp for Policy and Change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the idea is you bring about they bring about um, a dozen to fifteen chefs from around the country. Uh, together to sort of activate them in public and political life, so that they understand their roles as leaders in their communities, and they understand what they can do with that that sort of power and responsibility. Um, the general, the 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 common thread through all of it is that this is how government works. This is how food policy works, and this is how you can connect with the leaders in your government and in your communities to express your interests. And they will have an example there. The thing that they, they focus on the most has been, um, has been, um, SNAP or su- a supplemental nutrition assistance program, okay. um, uh, which, you know, feeds hungry people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been about what the policy is and, you know, the good things and bad things that have been happening to it based on based on the whims of, you know... Our a,
0: dear leader. Right, exactly.
1: Um, but, but really the point of all of it is to say, this is how policy is made, this is how you can affect policy, this is how you can affect change. So, you know, they have the chefs raise their hands, you know. How many people have had a local council member... Uh, dine at their establishments how many have had the mayor a senator a governor a presidential candidate a president right like how many of the those people have been to your restaurant are you taking that opportunity to let them know what issues are important to you if that's workers rights if that's you know uh, uh, empowering small businesses if that's you know making sure that people who are hungry are getting the food that they need this is how you, how they can, they can use that influence okay. um, to, to, to lead, really.
0: Now, and you're you're leading right now too. Did any of this rub off on you? You think?
1: Absolutely. I I, uh, I would definitely say that the things I learned from from boot camp, uh, along with a few, or many other things. Um, Definitely nudge me in the direction of wanting to get more involved, mm-hmm. and so seeing seeing that and, and seeing what people can do to bring communities together and to to, to work together uh, was one of the was part of the impetus for forming um, Black Food Folks, mm-hmm. which is a group that I founded with uh, my friend Colleen Vincent, who. Uh, actually works for the foundation. We started it uh, a little over a year ago. Right. Um, Our anniversary of our first event was a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, And in that time, we have hosted a few events where we've drawn 50 to 100 people Um. each time, all people in the industry, almost all black folks in the industry, and those are chefs and writers and photographers and... Uh, recipe developers and stylists and who, who you know whomever right mm-hmm. but the idea at first the basic idea was we should connect people um, you know it's not someone I heard someone call it a networking event and that's not exactly what it is no but it's it's more about creating community right and uh, providing support you know one of the things about this industry is that it is portrayed as a very sort of white focused world but but that's not the reality no the majority of your kitchen staff of your you know your serving staff of the farmers of everybody who has anything to do with food or people of color and and in almost the entirety of the history of the United States those things were done by black people you talk about a culinary history of America if the food was was grown by black folks was you know uh, cooked by black folks was served by black folks like how is it not black food right. right and so you know a lot of our media in particular centers like the you know the brilliant white guy who is the chef right but um you know there are a lot of other people there doing things that don't get the same attention and that goes for the chefs that goes for the writers that goes for you know a lot of different people in the in the field and even though we know we're here it makes us feel invisible right and, and so putting us all in the room together putting the starting point of putting Everybody in the room together to walk in and see
0: fifty to a hundred uh, people. Right,
1: our first event drew a hundred people um, to Colleen's dad's <laughs> event space, which doubles as his tax office in Flatbush. You so got a hundred. Pe- he has so like wild. a tent in the back and like okay. a stage and like a heat lamps and this whole thing, and it was a family event, a family function, right? Like. Everybody knew somebody, but everybody didn't know everybody. And so it put the lie to this idea that you know we're just a niche mm-hmm. that we're a small part of the larger food media, that we're not you know that our work needs explanation, that the stories we're trying to we're trying to um, create are things that don't have an audience it was it was a moment right? yeah it, it felt it felt great
0: and one of my favorite things in in observing from instagram is that you're not focusing on chefs specifically or right. or sommeliers or front of it's really every right. single niche uh right. in the restaurant industry Yeah, and if you it's at black food folks right on instagram it
1: is? Yeah. and on twitter
0: and on twitter and if you follow all these beautiful faces yeah with big jobs and small jobs and part-time jobs right. and passions right. and and everything in between.
1: Yeah, actually, one of our most popular posts uh, was a photo I posted of uh, Marcus Myers, who's the the leader of the Porter team at the uh, at the uh, James Beard House. So, okay. uh, everybody who's ever cooked there knows him. He's a I mean, he's been there for, I think, uh, two or three years now. And he is super friendly. He's great. He, you know, he's just such an affable guy. And so, like, he was shocked when he saw the reaction. Because it wasn't just likes. It was people like, oh, yeah, that guy's great. Oh, man, he's awesome, you know? (laughs) I'm
0: sure I'm squeezed by him. Yeah, (laughs) you know? And he's, like,
1: he runs the whole, like, dishwashing crew and the Porter staff. And, like, you know, he works his ass off. And everybody... Everybody knows him. Everybody recognizes him. And, you know, he is part of what... Anyone who works in restaurants knows that, like, you know, the most important job is the dishwasher, right? right? I mean, where are you when they're gone? And so, yeah, that, you know, folks like that should be recognized, too. That's a that's a part of the entire ecosystem that's essential.
0: Right. I him. mean, but since you started, because mm-hmm. I was looking back at dates this morning, mm-hmm. um, the black food narrative has, I think, really started to change about six or seven well you're you're shaking your head which is fine but six or seven months after you guys launched the Mm -hmm. New York Times had the big article with it was 16 um, of the country's most prominent black chefs and you know you're shooting I was stalking you Omar Tate's pop up last night I feel like there is afternoon there's a lot of attention right now
1: well see that's the difference that's the thing right Um, I won't I don't. I won't call it progress until we're actually making decisions, right? Right, and until um, their are leadership right roles. Right. Exactly, um, and not to. I try not to be too controversial. You can be
0: things. as controversial as you want,
1: but you know, un, until until the people making the decisions and assigning out the stories are representative of the larger food world. Hmm. Um, everything's a trend piece it's great when the Times does this extensive story on these 16 chefs it's great when they have Iwanda Kamalafi talking about um, you know the 10 10 Nigerian recipes that you should know right um, or, or Tejal Rao's similar piece that was just put out about Indian food mm-hmm. or Samin's piece about Persian food or Iranian food that's great, but, like, who came up with the story, right? Who assigned it out? Who approved it? You know, if that's... And, and the folks, I love that they're doing this, but if you don't have the leadership there to say to have a, a, to have another perspective on it all it is is like you know what's the flavor of the month right
0: it's the, it's the curiosity right and of the other instead of right. instead of showcasing what's your own
1: right and and it doesn't even have to be what's your own but to have another perspective to have a perspective that gives you a little bit more insight into into other cuisines other worlds other other uh, cultures and so it's one thing to yeah have these introductory articles but you don't have to introduce Italian food right No, because we've been eating Italian food for ages so instead you know you're discovering the the food of Sicily or the food of Piedmont or something like that right you're talking about Roman food you're talking about Regions, you're talking about like those differences. We're not talking about that with the food of this country, right? I mean, you're talking, you know, even barbecue, people can tell you the difference between Carolina barbecue and Texas barbecue, or like, you know, East Carolina barbecue Mm -hmm. versus, you know, West Carolina, right? I mean, do you know the difference between. Uh, and I I have to say and and in all the barbecue talk there's almost entirely erasure of the black people who created barbecue Um, well no sorry did not create barbecue but who were intrinsic (laughs) to the popular the the, the popularity of barbecue but you know when you talk about the regional food of of like the gullah geechee food that, mm-hmm. that BJ Dennis is doing or
0: which is the food I grew up with right right but th- but wasn't introduced to the term gullah geechee until right. much later in right. life as a food writer and a profession you know a professional yeah. in the world
1: right and so you know when you talk about those different cuisines and where they came from you talk about the african influence on that you talk about the fact that like the people who were brought over to those areas were brought there because they had expertise and not just labor, right? Not just bodies, but, like, they actually knew how to work in that those environments. How um, to grow rice. And how to grow right. those in, actual ingredients, right? And what to do with them. You know, those stories aren't really told in any, you know, in any broader sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just soul food. And it's like, that's not... Right. It's not even a thing. I mean, it's not not a thing, but it's not like that's not.
0: It's it's the n- be all end all. No, yeah, as a southerner, soul food is was very confusing to right. me at first. Because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it does mean it means something it to means some something,
1: people, but it's like what you know it 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 means one thing, and it's treated as though it means everything.
0: Right. Um. So ultimately, what do you hope that Black food folks achieves?
1: I want black food folks to, to encourage community uh, amongst folks in the industry, amongst black folks in the industry. Um, I, we, uh, we, Colleen and I, wanted to, to promote the work that we are doing, mm-hmm. we as a community are doing. But I mean, as much within the community as outside, right? So while well, we're happy to talk about what folks are doing and promote you know and, and, and let the out the whole world know about you know what Omar's doing, what um, BJ's doing, what you know any, any of the other folks in, in our sort of group are doing, um, we also want each other to know. Um, I, one of our, features, one of the things we do is we have a, about 500 person mailing list. Okay. And I put together a somewhat extensive newsletter, um, manually and exhaustively, uh, (laughs) uh, that I consider the internal memo for the black community in food. And it is a place for... Folks to see what's being written, to um, congratulate each other for awards and nominations and openings of restaurants. That's
0: a lot and of work, Clay. It is. And you don't even do your own newsletter, which yeah, we've discussed a bunch of times. I know, <laughs> I know. It's one of those things. Like my
1: newsletter, my own newsletter. I keep meaning to put out a new one, and uh, you know, it's been a year and change since okay. my last one. But this one I've been doing mostly monthly for the last uh, year and a half, and and it's you know it's the articles that we've written or the articles that I think you know we think that people should read. It's a community calendar about what's happening across the country. Uh, it's a way that we all sort of know how to support each other. Yeah. Again, I. I try not to be too controversial.
0: Just, it's, you can do it.
1: But, in a world where attention being paid to us is fickle, um, you know, everyone loves black voters right now, but like, where are they in six months or mm-hmm. eight months or whatever? Um, it's the same thing with, with our contribute, uh, our contributions to, to food, to media, to everything else. Um, if we're the flavor of the month, what happens next month? So the this is very long answer to your question. It's okay. But I love it all. The goal of Black food folks, to Colleen and I, is really to create an infrastructure that is there after attention has faded. After you know after
0: you want to create a new normal is,
1: right well after the resistance is over after everyone's gone back to oh things are normal people aren't being put in cages but like things still things are back to whatever normal means we're not going to continue being ignored right we're right. creating something so that we don't we aren't beholden to the whims of you know the the well-meaning folks who who run things but mm-hmm. aren't us, right? Gatekeepers are still gatekeepers, even if they let you in this time. Right. As um, you know, a
0: freelancer, I'm very painfully aware of that. Right,
1: exactly. That's the thing. And I've been a freelancer this whole time. So uh, the whole time I've worked in food, and so I've floated around through a lot of different organizations. And that's actually part of how, a little how this came to be, because... You know, Colleen works for the foundation and mm-hmm. has worked with all sorts of people throughout the uh, food world. I have worked for, you know, dozens of different publications. i shot things for restaurants. I've shot some things for you. I've shot things for, you know, other organizations. And I, I've come across so many different people through the whole stratus of of the food world and when people
0: so, don't confuse you with quest love they know exactly yeah. who you are
1: it still happens occasionally <laughs> um but we connected with so many people that we have a a, a different perspective it's not just and, and I think that's that's part of what ends up being the problem at, at publications mm-hmm. um where everybody has the same perspective they don't think they need to do anything else they think they're being very high-minded when you know they they are barely scratching right the the surface right exactly exactly
0: okay so if listeners want to get involved my stomach is actually grumbling that's good um listeners want to get involved or learn more how can they engage with black food folks
1: well the first thing is to follow us on instagram um, we just this week broke ten thousand followers, whoop. which uh, is exciting. Because, uh, specifically, because of the Instagram rules, of you're able to share links ah. um, after ten thousand followers. Um, which means that one of the one of the huge things we do. I mean, I, I post mostly daily on and uh, in our grid, but in our stories. Um, we are constantly posting events and, you know, whatever our, whatever the people we're following will be interested in. So the larger
0: community, the large, yes. right.
1: And so, um, when, you know, outstanding in the field just released its, its calendar for the year and a bunch of our chefs have been, a bunch of black chefs have been, um, have been announced as part of the uh, part of the schedule. So we will, we share out their posts and we link to where you get tickets for those. Um, if somebody is, has an, is a writer and they have a new article out, um, we will you know I can now share that along with the link with and the actually link. direct traffic to uh, to support their pieces. I mean that's really what we're about is is letting folks know who's there i mean our grid the photos on 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 instagram for black food folks are you know directly inspired by what julia um did with julia Mm tertian equity at the table you know it's it's an answer to the question of like oh well who are the black folks and who are the Black chefs, who are the black people doing things in food? And it's like, well, look, they're here. They're all here. We've got, you know, a couple hundred people right there. And so, I mean, it's not a database in the same way. But the idea is if you are, if you're like, oh, I can't think of any black chefs besides, you know, this handful that everybody knows, just go look. And you can scroll through and you'll find you know, you'll find men and women who are, and, and, uh, at least a couple children in there. Children? Who, yeah. Well, teenagers, at okay. least, but, uh, <laughs> but who are doing things in, in food. Right. And that's the idea. The idea is to let people know that we're here and what we're doing, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the the very basic ways is to, 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 to follow us. Follow, and so, engage. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, are you ready to have some lunch? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. Lunch is served. Foxtails, braised in white wine, a ton of onion, a ton of weak carrots, and but pretty French, and then throw in the pig's feet, and then... All of the recipes have serving suggestions for right. like cute salads and right. desserts because James Beard doesn't believe in eating only one dish. Of
1: course.
0: Uh, he says. So he suggested to serve pickles
1: right.
0: and a baked potato.
1: On the side? They're On not the go, side. They don't go in. The dish. No. Yeah, Interesting. Okay.
0: So those were our, right. those were my chosen, or James Beard's chosen dishes. Gotcha. Um mm. so, so what uh, do you think of the pig feet? Um they taste good, but it's mostly skin. Skin and like gelatin and fat. There's like the yeah. amount of meat is
1: Yeah, oh yeah. No, it's entirely skin. Like and totally
0: like insignificant,
1: right? I yeah.
0: know I've eaten trotters before.
1: I mean you probably had it in like a terrain or something. Yeah. I mean it's
0: not like a giant Yeah.
1: yeah. It. And I mean, like it's,
0: you, it's like eating chicken feet, but with more of the feet,
1: right? I guess.
0: It's like the same thing, just bigger.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all a lot of bones and cartilage. So, like, when it breaks down, it's... Like, I think of... It's funny, because I, I think of um, pig's feet as being...
0: A stock ingredient, or...? No, as being,
1: as being European food. As being, How? like, peasant food. Because it's, it's, some, it's mm. one of those things where, like, you know, I've, I've seen in, like... The cookbooks I've seen it in are the ones that are for about, like, home-style, you know, like, French or Italian mm-hmm. food. Um, you know, you make a terrine or you make something like that, you know.
0: I mean, I didn't eat them growing up, but we had pickled pig's feet in the South. I've never had that. I don't think I ever have either.
1: It was a little weird. <laughs> I know people swear by it, but... That seems a little weird to me. Yeah, and the I pickle, assume... Just pickling meat seems a little weird, but, I mean, that's all corned beef is, right?
0: Right. I mean, and Indian Indians do it. Right. Know, a lot of people do it. I was talking to... I'm reporting a story and mm-hmm. talked to a black family from my hometown and they worked in Turpentine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew the story of Oxtail, but they reminded me of it the other day and talked about pig's feet and all the. So it's when... Did it Oxtail? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, it, when, you know... Cows were slaughtered by people right. who own
1: lands. They got yeah. the tail, right? no so that's a whole other thing, because I've known. Um, like, Oxail, I mean, I grew up with Oxail a particular way, right? So, like, Oxail, I I hear about and I only think about it as... As a Caribbean, West Indian, West Indian yeah. Or, or Southeast Asian. Southeast Asian? Yeah, I uh, you know, with put it in uh, a pho. yeah. Huh. This is really good. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. good. And it's ended up on my shirt.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you need a, a bib there? You're good? I'm okay. Okay. It is messy out there. Mr. Nicholson and I are sheltering in, in our tiny apartment, and taking all the precautions we can in New York City to stay safe. I'm spending most of my days advocating for restaurants and raising relief funds through Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, a great nonprofit that I sit on the board of. Check out our work on Instagram at R-W-C-F-U-S-A. And if you can, consider donating to the cause. 50% of all relief funds will go directly to restaurant workers who are in crisis. The others will be used to rebuild the industry once this mess is all over with. Give Clay a follow too at UltraClay. What you won't learn about him online, though, is that Clay gives the biggest, best hugs. And his was the last one, not for my husband, that I will receive for a few months. I'm holding on to that. And I'm already working on the next episode, so if you need comfort in food or just something fun to cook at home, check back soon. I promise. It's going to be creamy.